We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We got a lot of stuff going on, man. Yes, we do. We We are going to talk about the five biggest questions we have about the Notre Dame football team. We wanted to throw a question out to all of you. If you want us to address the the Notre Dame announcement, if you haven't heard, Notre Dame just announced that their first opening game against Toledo will be exclusively, right? First home game against Toledo will be aired exclusively on the Peacock Network. Now, not the free version of it like we had in the spring, but the premium version. So you have to be a subscriber to get it. Now, in the story, at the, you'll find it at irishbreakdown.com. If you're a member of certain already you know, services like uh, Vince, you know, Vince has access to it already because uh, through Xfinity, there are some some deals there. They're also going to be doing a, um, a special starting August 11th, to, running up to the game where you can get a discount is what the release said. But I know there's a lot of people real fired up about this. I have an opinion on it. Vince has an opinion on it. So if you guys want us to talk about it, let us know. And then when we complete the podcast portion of today's show, so the five questions, we'll dive into that. Also, SI All-American just released their SI99, the first installment of that. We wrapped that up last night, and uh, that's ready to go. So Notre Dame had, I believe, four commitments in the SI99. Good chance they may add a couple of those to that list here as we dive into the week. So a lot to talk about. And, of course, tonight at 5 o'clock, we will go live again with a second show to carry and cover uh, Tobias Merriweather's announcement. So we got a lot going on. So really, the only, let, the only us... question – go ahead. No, go ahead, Vince. I was going to say, the only question right now is how much time in between the end of this show and the beginning of that show. Enough time for me to get a little bit of something in my stomach <laughs> and prepare for that show. Right, so, exactly. If you see me typing at the end of the show, it's because I'm getting the next one ready <laughs> to launch right. as soon as we get done. But Right, right. So right. apologies for eating at the beginning of the show, but Vince um, – It happens, Just man. a lot going on, so let's – Let's yeah, dive it, right into these five questions. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm excited about this because and and originally I, I I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the curtain back here a little bit too, Brian. Originally it was our five concerns coming into the season, and th- that's not how we really wanted to frame this episode um, mm-hmm. because you and I are very high on this team and and what this team can potentially be, 
And so concerns just didn't really feel right. You know what I mean? It, it just didn't feel right. And, and frankly, I was having a hard time coming up with five quote-unquote concerns that I had. Now, do I have questions about this team? Absolutely, I have questions about this team. We always have questions about this team going into fall camp, you know, whether it's a position battle, whether it's, you know, new guys, whether it's new coaches, whatever the case may be. There's always questions going into the season. And so that's how we're framing this episode. It's our questions, our biggest questions. Could you label some of them as concerns? Yeah, you probably could. Uh, but personally, I was having a hard time coming up with five concerns that I had uh, you know, about this 21 team. So uh, these are the five questions that we have. And, and we're going to start off this one with uh, position groups, right? And uh, there's there's a, a few position groups that, that we want to talk about. Number one, should be no surprise to anyone. We're going to start off on the offensive side of the ball, and we're going to start off with the offensive line. I, I'm going to say that this group... While there are questions, because frankly, we don't even know who the five starters are going to be 100% at this point, uh, but there's a true freshman involved, there's a transfer student involved, there's position changes potentially you know, involved. So there's a lot of question marks concerning this O-line. I will say I'm more confident in the O-line as we've kind of progressed through the summer than I was maybe two or three months ago, um, but it's still a question mark, and for the reasons that we're going to outline, there, there's a lot of questions about this particular group, how they're going to end up performing together, you know, et cetera. But offensive lines are number one, Brian. Yeah, and, and I think this was the this position was the epitome of why we didn't want to go with concern and go with question because I don't know if I would say that I can I can look at the offensive line and, and decide whether it's a concern or a question. It's it's literally just a, such an unknown. Mm-hmm. We don't know who the five stars are going to be. We still tech. I mean, I'm confident in our in, in the info that we got that Jarrett Patterson is going to be at center, but that may change tomorrow. <laughs> that may change two weeks from now. Right. I, I we think that Zeke Crow is going to get a chance to start at guard, but he's going to have to battle John Dirksen, Rocco Spindler. You know, we think Kane Madden's going to start, but what if he doesn't perform? I mean, there's so many questions. You know, Blake Fisher looked great in the spring. Is he going to look great? Uh, in the fall, I mean, there's just there's just so many things going on that that it it it's a question mark, and it's an important question mark because it's going to have an impact on how good this team could be. Now, one thing that I think is one of the biggest mistakes the national media has made this season is trying to to say the big step back for Notre Dame is going to be because of the play of the offensive line. The one thing that I'll say that what we saw it in 2018 with Chip Long. I think Tommy Reese is going to do the same thing in 2021. Chip Long designed that a system in 2021 that had reverses, screens, a lot of quick game RPOs that was designed to neutralize the fact that he knew his offensive line was going to be as good. Right. And so that's why we saw Ian Book complete 70% of his passes in the regular season. And so it, Notre Dame's offensive line 2018 was, was okay, right? It's 2019 offensive line was not good. But the system was uh, was because again, 2018 they lost Quentin Nelson, they lost Mike McGlinchey. Sure, Alex Ars got hurt in September. Notre Dame still went 12 and 0. So I do think there's this thought that you know Notre Dame's got this great offensive line, but nothing else. I think that's one of the things that is a mistake. But I will say this: if Notre Dame is Notre Dame is it could be 10 and 2 if the offensive line plays mediocre, it it just can because of the way college football is nowadays. And, and you can, as we as I've said all summer, you can scheme to protect your offensive line if mm-hmm. it's not great. Right. Having said that, if Notre Dame wants to compete for national championship, however, 
then the offensive line is going to have to be better than just okay. It's going to have to be pretty good. Doesn't have to be elite. Doesn't even have to be as it doesn't have to be as good as 2017. I, I don't even know if it necessarily has to be as good as last year, but it needs to at least be close, right? And that's what we don't know. And it doesn't have to be that way by September 5th. It doesn't <laughs> have to be that way necessarily by September 18th. But by the time you get to Wisconsin, Cincinnati, sure. game four or five, you know, yeah. they have to be playing well. And then of course you get into October, November, they have to continue to get better and better. And so those are the things that that I look at and say that's why this line is a question mark because we just don't know on on the scale of you know the 2019 offensive line which was the worst of this of this post 2016 turnover right to the 2020 or 2017 and 2020 offensive lines which were the two best where will this line fall that's such a huge question mark whereas like at receiver I feel like the the, the floors at least are going to be good like pretty good. And, and the ceiling is really good, you know, depending on Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay, things that we talked about in, in last on the show on Monday. But with the offensive line, I could see it being really good, but I could also see it being below average. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's there's it's not just about the five players, but we're going to find out in 2021 what impact Chris Watt had on the offensive line. We're going to find that out real quick. We're going to find out. Uh, real early in the season, if Kane Madden is is a guy that can play at the Power Five level, at the, to the same degree that he played uh, at the at the uh, you know at the Conference USA or whatever level that was, we're going to find out you know how good he is. We're going to find out if Blake Fisher's ready to handle a full season, right? I mean, it's high school thing to look great in practice. Yeah, it's nothing to go seventy snaps every Saturday. So. I mean, again, I'm. I think he's going to do it. I, I'm confident in his ability to do it, but it's still an unknown until he actually does it. Can Josh Lug stay healthy? Can Zeke Carell stay healthy? I mean, there's a lot that goes. There's a lot of question marks, and that's the thing that makes me a little bit nervous about this group, Vince. Is the more you start talking about ifs, the more you kind of get that concern. Well, no, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, you can add Rocco Spindler into there, you know, as another new freshman who who we hope is going to get some time and, and what he looks like and what he's going to bring to the table. They're just, again, we're not saying that it's a huge concern yet, but talk to me after game one and I'll let you know if it's still, a, if it's a concern. I, that Honestly, that's how I feel because I think we're going to get a lot of information about this offensive line after game one. Uh, but re- regardless, it's going to be a question mark for me all the way up until game one. I mean, it, it just is because offensive lines, you need to see them in game action. You need to see them gelling together. You need to see the communication. You need to see all of that. And look, there's going to be mistakes. I, I promise you that there's going to be mistakes, right? You, again, true freshman on, on one side. You've got, you know, Lug, who has five starts at right tackle. You've got Kane Madden, who's never been in an Irish uniform before you know the the only the only known that we have is Jarrett Patterson at center right. and we just heard not that long ago that he's staying at center so right. there's now, just the good news is, is it's not like he spent the whole spring practicing at guard and now he's got absolutely go back to he was out he was I injured. Mean, so yeah right so I mean I don't think he's really done much other than center since he came back from a physical standpoint I'm sure mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. mentally preparing right. and all of that which is which fine. is fine you can turn that you can flip that switch quickly it's and, when and you start center, training you your muscle memory anyway Right. When you start training your muscle memory to do something different, that's when it becomes a bit more of a concern for me. Correct. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So, look, offensive line's a question mark. I mean, it just is. And, again, I kind of echo what you were saying, but to expound on it, when you read all these national writers, when you when you look at the uh, the opposing coaches' box 
when they talk about Notre Dame in, in the magazines and things, they immediately go to the offensive. Oh, they lost four out of five starters. They're 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 clearly going to take a step back. Right. You know all this stuff, and then of course if they, they still run the same offense they ran last year, exactly. that's a hundred percent true. Exactly, and it's hundred percent true. And that's where, in my opinion, and I, I think Brian holds the same opinion, it's where the national writers just aren't informed enough. They haven't taken a deep enough dive into what Notre Dame is and what they could be this mm-hmm. year to really give a good explanation. And, right. and that's why the, the win total is sitting eight and a half. That's why, you know, all these different things. It's why all these, the clickbait, you know, yeah. Colin Cowherd, you know, Notre Dame's going to lose to Toledo. It, Did he really say that? Offensive line. Did he really say that? I heard him. I heard that he said it. I did okay. not. Actually, here, yeah, because I I don't listen to Colin Cowherd. So I've heard people say it, but I I also have experienced something this week where people can take something you didn't say (laughs) and turn it into something (laughs) you did say. That is true. So I just wanted to be sure about that. But that is true. You know the thing. The thing about it is, Vince, that if if Notre Dame does try to still be the same offense they were last year, this will this will be a problem area. Sure, no question. I just think Tommy Reese is a lot smarter than that. I mean. Um, and until he proves me otherwise, I'm I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And and, and we saw it in the spring. Right. And we saw some of that in the spring. Now there are going to be have to be some things that, that look. They're just the biggest thing now is they're going to have to get really good in pass pro. I can live with them being okay in the run game because you have really good backs and there's some things you can do. But they have to at least be good in pass pro. Yeah. Because that was the area in the spring that was really problematic. Like you, can, I mean, there's there's only so much you can do to game plan against a bad pass protection. Sure. And what I'm, you know, it's like you got to move the pocket and all, but that takes away a lot of what you want to do schematically. If if they can only be good at one, if they can be really good at one and just kind of okay at the other in this era, yeah, I think you have to be good at pass pro and just okay at run game because there's things you can do schematically to get the run game going. If you can't protect the quarterback, you, you're in trouble, yeah. and that hurts your pass game, that hurts your run game, that hurts all of it. Right. And so those are the things where you can do some RPOs and you can do some misdirections. You can do some spread stuff. You can go 13 personnel. There's all types of things you can do to improve your run game if your offensive line's not playing at a high level. And, th- you know, so so that's one thing is that the pass pro is going to have to get a lot better than what it was in the spring. And I'm not just referring to the blue gold game because the starting offensive line wasn't together. There was no Jerry right. Patterson. You know, <clears throat> you had Josh Lug and Tosh Baker together. But, I mean, you, you look at it, Vince, and, and it wasn't just that game. I mean, we heard about it all spring, that right. the offensive line just couldn't block the defensive line. So either the defensive line is going to be a phenomenal a phenomenal pass rushing group or the offensive line is, is pretty good. Yeah, and and, yeah. and I guess my – my and I, I, I hesitate to use this, this word, but my concern – is with with the run game and the aggressive nature of what we believe a run game should look like from the offensive line and mm-hmm. what it's looked like under Coach Quinn in the past uh, when when uh, Coach Watt was not on the staff. And when you're running RPOs, which we feel like is going to be a big part of what this offense is, mm-hmm. the offensive line is, is blocking for the run game. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they're blocking for the run game. They're not pass pro. And right. so that concerns me a little bit, you know? Um, and, and again... I'm gonna have to see it, right? And and I'm hoping. What's your that concern, Vince? I didn't. I, I I I just if they're not great in in the run game, like mm-hmm. you know, run game blocking, exploding mm-hmm. out, doing those different right. things. RPOs are all about. It, they're blocking the run. They're not pass proing in RPOs, right? right? So right. 
they're going to be doing a lot more run blocking, right. in my opinion, with the RPO system and that. And if they're not good at it, now that hurts the RPO game potentially. Yeah, but see, I, I don't I don't think it does. I, I get where you're coming from, and it's a okay. good thought. But here's just the reason I don't okay. necessarily agree with it. And, and again, this part of this is going to be the schemes that you're using in it. I don't think North Carolina's run blocking situation last year was phenomenal. It was good, but it wasn't 2,000-yard running backs good. What the RPO is going to do, it's going to force you if – again, the RPOs by themselves don't scare defenses. It's when you're throwing RPOs to Braden Lindsey and Lawrence Keyes and Avery Davis and Kevin Austin and Michael Mayer that it scares people, right? Uh, Xavier Watts, Lorenzo Style, right? I don't want to leave anybody out, okay? Because <laughs> when I leave people out, people assume, what, you didn't mention uh, yeah. so-and-so. Is he gone? Right. Hey, he's not uh, even on the roster anymore. Right. So, <laughs> see, there you go. All right, so so – when you do an RPO to that, what it does is, is it forces them to decide either. So if you're if you're less concerned about the run game because Notre Dame's not great at run blocking, then you're going to be more prone to playing the RPO, which I then think helps the run game because it removes numbers. And and with the backs that Notre Dame has, I mean, look, if if the backside guard gets beat and Kyron Williams is in the backfield or Chris Tyree's in the backfield, both have shown, especially Kyron has shown, they can make that one guy miss. And if the next guy is out there trying to defend the bubble screen, that's how you can still rip a big sure. play, right? I mean, sure. even last year we saw that at times where the Florida State game, I mean, one of Kyron Williams' biggest runs was a play where a guy came screaming off the edge unblocked. Kyron made a miss and, and went right. ripped off a big play. So I, I think it protects the run game by helping them with numbers. And then now it's up to Tommy Reese and Jeff Quinn and Lance Taylor to, and John McNulty, the people involved with the run game, to then say, okay, how can we scheme to protect ourselves a little bit? How can we scheme to say, okay, well, we're not we're not able to block this guy. Okay, well, we may have to do a little, you know, Kane's having Kane Madden's having some trouble, or Zeke Cross having some trouble with this three technique. So we may have to do our our pin and pull stuff a little bit more this game. So we can get our tackles to help with that kind of stuff. And then we can get mm -hmm. our guards on the move or whatever. You know, maybe we do more zone because we're gonna do more double teams on that three technique where we can get the tackles to help the guard. There's all types of things that you can do schematically to protect your run game as long as you can equalize the numbers with your formations in the RPOs. Sure. And that's why I say the pass game has to be part of that because if because here's the other part how it factors in, Vince, is if you're really good throwing the ball and at least you're good in pass pro, which I think in 2019 they, they were pretty decent in pass pro, even though sure. they were below yeah. average running the football. Agree. Then that Agreed. puts more of a pressure on the defense of, hey, they can really throw it and we can't get after them. So then you're going to be less aggressive attacking downhill, playing the run like they were last year. So you're going to see a lot more six-man boxes, five-man boxes if the pass game is good, which then aids the running. It's it's kind sure. of the reverse of what it used to be 10, 15, 20 years ago, where if you could really run the ball, it's going to help you with your pass game. The way the game has evolved now, if you can be really good throwing the football, it's going to then aid your run game. So that's why I say they at least have to get good at pass pro, and then the run game can kind of come as they get more cohesive, as guys play more together, as they maybe say, hey, look, you're not getting the job done. we got to put somebody else in there. Uh, hopefully they're not struggling because the offensive line coach is teaching the catching thing again. Right. That's, that's, what that's where my for. concern yeah. originates from, right? I, I think, And I think you understand that. But you, what you say absolutely makes sense. I mean, there, there's ways to scheme around shortfalls at every position, but especially the offensive line. There, there's ways to, to scheme around it. I, I completely right. agree with you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So our, our second uh, question going into the season, again, is another position group. And it's one that really underperformed last year. And because of that, th- that's why it was on my list, because it so underperformed last year. And that's the buck slash will position. Obviously, we have renamed or we I had nothing to do with it. Uh, Marcus Freeman has renamed that position uh, the the will. Uh, and so but it's the same personnel. Okay, so they didn't lose anybody from that spot. They, everybody was returning. Primarily, we're talking about Shane Simon. We're talking about Maris Luafau, uh, and and what that position holds, right? Because the maybe maybe Prince Collie at some point. Yeah, no, that's a very good point because I don't think he's got a position yet. I think they they were talking about starting him off at Rover, but that's a pretty deep position right now. So I could see him moving over there and potentially seeing the field uh, at that position. So. A lot of question marks coming from that position. We're hearing different things coming out of, of summer and out of spring and, and things of that nature. I don't know that what we're hearing is definitely making me feel confident. And it certainly hasn't answered any of my questions. Um, but after last year, and again, new linebacker coach, new scheme, I get all of that, but it's the same personnel. What is that position going to look like? Right. And I mean, you can start with who's going to start. And then you can go all the way down to how are they going to play. And that's why it's a question mark for me. I I, I do like both players. I do. Uh, I, I think the new scheme will be good for them. But it's kind of a wait and see situation at the Will linebacker position. And can it be productive? And that's if it's anywhere near what it was last year, that's a huge problem. And it and it and it inflates, and we've talked about this in the past, it inflates to other positions, right. like the Mike position, because we both feel like that position was kind of trying to you know, make up for the lack of production over at Will, over at Buck, however you want to say it. Um, and so it's kind of a domino effect. And uh, the Will the will linebacker position, which I believe could be, I don't know if I want to say a strength, but it can be a... a it, it has the potential to yeah, be a strength. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, if you like, if you say you like the two guys that are there, and yeah. I don't disagree with you, then yeah, it, it, it can be a strength. It's just about whether or not they get their game where it needs to be. That's the question mark. I mean, yeah. last year, Maris Lewifow played 10 games. Shane Simon played 11. If you take the games that they played together, they combined for 36 tackles in 11 games. That's so incredibly unacceptable. Yes, three. It's so incredibly it was at less than three tackles a game. I mean, that's just. It's right at three. It's right at three. Yeah, because there yeah. will be 33. Right. It's just not good. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I, just... I was thinking at first it was it was under three because I'm in the mindset of 13 games. Yeah, right. But uh, obviously it was, it was 12. 
it's so incredibly unacceptable. And and it's not like teams were avoiding them. I mean, because, right. you know, that guy, Wusu Kormo, is on the other side of the field. Right. Uh, it, it was just that they had to involve – that's part of the reason Kyle Hamilton had so many – I mean, Kyle Hamilton had 51 solo tackles in, in 11 games. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of tackles. And a big reason for that is is, be, is simply because – I mean, put it in perspective, in 13 games in 2011, the year that Manti Teo had 128 tackles, he had 62 solos. That's If you if you had Kyle Hamilton plays two more games because he only played 11 games, he's pretty close to that. Yeah. So Kyle Hamilton had almost as many solo tackles last year on a per-game basis as Manti Teo had in a year where he had almost 130 total tackles. Why is that? Because they had to use Sot Kyle to protect the will a Correct. lot. And again, it, it, it's the old mantra, and it's not necessarily true anymore. But if your safety has that many tackles, that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, it, it, in today's era, that's not the same thing because right. you have the court, quarters coverage really changed that a lot. Quarters coverage is essentially essentially a defense that, that was invented. Uh, well, not invented. I'd say reinvent invented because they've always had quarters, but quarters coverage back in, in my day is what you called when it was hail mary time. It was just four to twenty. It's like four back. guys getting deep. Yeah. It evolved into. You had the two outside corners sort of playing the post and playing deep, and then the two safeties could get into a deep coverage, but their first steps are actually reading downhill to be able to play the run. It was a way to get extra guys in the box without lining up extra guys in the box. Yeah, And it was designed to kind of help against the spread teams and the read zones and and the perimeter runs and perimeter passes and stuff like that. And so, uh, and it obviously continues to evolve. So that somewhat changed, but when you, but when you look at how Notre Dame had to use Kyle Hamilton last year, People say, well, you know, he didn't make a lot of plays in the pass game. Well, part of that is because, number one, teams didn't necessarily throw at him a whole lot. He did have six pass breakups and one interception, but you know, he had more than that the year before as a true freshman. Well, the year before as a true freshman, people were going at him. Right. They were they were challenging him. So he had four interceptions and six pass breakups and, you know, and fewer snaps. Well, last year they avoided him. And so that – but the other reason for it is – he had to come downhill and do so much to protect the run game. And you look at it and say, boy, that's 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 fine. You can be good that way, but it, you're going to be even better if you can let if you can use Kyle Hamilton as a weapon, not a protector. Right. If Kyle Hamilton can be used to just play how you want to play him and not be used to protect the rover, the mic, or the will. Now, again, he's going to fit off those because that's part of defense. You know, you're going to run fit off of that. But when you have to schematically do something to have him be part of that, where you have, mm-hmm. hey, we have to protect this guy because we're not comfortable with that boundary run defender, it's it's going to lessen your defense. And Absolutely. so they're going to have to perform better. They have to make more total tackles. They have to make more plays on the ball. They have to make more disruptive plays, that, which means tackles for loss. It means sacks. It means getting your hands on footballs, you know, batting down passes, all the, the, the this position needs way, way more disruptive numbers. And I, you know, I think when you look at Clark Lee's defense, we, we did a study on this before, obviously the Cincinnati defense was a lot more disruptive than the Notre Dame defense was last year at the linebacker level. Now, will that, will that translate into a scheme that, that'll does ask them to do less, you know, reading side to side and more just attacking downhill. We're going to find out. That's a question mark. Yeah. And that's that's why this group is there. And then, like you said, who starts? Yeah. Is it going to be Marist? Is it going to be Shane? Is it going to be a rotation? 
We're going to find out. Yeah, I think that remains to be seen because I, I think and I don't think I'm overstepping here. We've heard good things about both guys, right? I mean, we heard we've heard we've heard positive things about both guys, which is a great spot to be in. I mean, that that's awesome. I would rather have that than the alternative that like, oof, I'm not sure what we're going to do at will. Yeah. Hopefully, this incoming freshman can yeah. take over. Like, that's not yeah. a position where, regardless of what we think about Prince Collie, that's still not a position that you want to be in. If he starts this year, it's because one of two things happened. A major injury at the will or those other guys took huge step backs. Right. And that's, again, Prince Collie was my, I believe, my number one ranked defensive recruit in the class last year. But these guys are a junior and senior who right. are also highly ranked, talented guys. Both four-star players on my board. If a freshman comes in and beats them out, it means they're not playing well. It, it, I mean, I don't, and you could take any linebacker in the country. I don't care who it is. Take the number one linebacker in the country, and I'd say the same thing. Because that's the talent right. that these two guys have. If they're not in the lineup, it's because they're injured or they're they're underperforming. And you know, and so that's why I'm not talking a whole lot about Prince Collie. I mean, it's fun to talk about freshmen, but if, sure. And, and look, fresh talking about freshmen generates a lot of page views and clicks and all that kind of stuff. But it's also not practical. A team that's going to be as good as Notre Dame isn't going to be playing seven, eight, nine freshmen. At least I hope not. Unless we're talking about they're getting a lot of action in the third and fourth quarter. Right. And as much as I love Lorenzo Styles, I don't want Lorenzo Styles to be the starter and the go-to guy this year. That's a bad sign. Right. As good as I think he is, that, that means some other guys aren't playing well or are hurt. And, and you, you'll occasionally get a situation like Blake Fisher, but Blake Fisher wouldn't be starting right now if there was still a Robert Haynes and a Lee and Meikenberg. At least he wouldn't be starting to tackle. Yeah. Right. It's because there that spot was open. This is not technically an open spot. This is a spot with your top two guys coming back. And it's a battle for those two, and that's right. great. I mean, I, I'm fine with that. I, the whole iron sharpens iron thing, like, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. And, and they're both going to play. I mean, right, absolutely. I, well, who starts, I think, is is irrelevant. I care more about who's in the game in the fourth quarter when, yeah. it, when, when the game, when the, in a tight game. That's where I'm that's sure. where coaches show their cards. I mean, let's mm-hmm. be honest. You, you put in who you trust when the game's on the line in the fourth quarter. Because uh, sometimes you may have to play a guy who maybe is a little bit more emotionally, un, you know, fragile. Sure. And, you know, not starting him might – this is not specific to Shane or Maris. This is just – this is the decision you sometimes have to make as a coach. We need that guy checked in. He's going to react more neg- negatively to not starting than the other kid will. So we'll start them. They know they're going to rotate. And then just when we know it's a big moment, we will make sure that <laughs> we'll go with. Yeah, right. We have the kid in the game that we want in the game. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's and again, I think both of these dudes can play. I, I really do. It just depends on whether the light goes on for for Shane Simon. He can just play uninhibited and just go. And whether, you know, Maris Lufau can play under control. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he is the classic example of plays like his hair's on fire 100 percent all the time. Just not necessarily going in the right direction, right? He has to have he has to have a rudder, and it it sounds like he's got a bit of a rudder this year, which is great. Um, And and Shane Simon sounds like he's doing well too. So I'm confident in these guys, but it's still a question mark. Confident in their potential. Yeah, that's that's as far as I can go right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm confident in their potential. Yes, we're hearing great things about summer workouts and all that. But as you know, with this position especially, it's about what you're doing. The pads are on and. I'll say this. I will not be shocked if Marist eventually becomes the guy at will. Even if he's not starting, I guarantee you if he is the guy, they may still start Shane. But what we're going to see is we're going to see scenarios in which they say, okay, he's our starter. But mm-hmm. Marist at the end of every game is getting more snaps. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or he could just start one of the two. 
but I, I don't think I wouldn't be surprised if, if based on what we're hearing, if Marist sees seizes hold of that job sooner rather than later. And if it does, if that doesn't happen, based on what I'm hearing about Marist, it means the light finally went on for Shane, which is going to be great for this defense. Right. Because again, the physical tools are there for Shane. There's there's no doubt about that. It's just whether yeah. or not he can play with the the free the freedom the looseness whatever adjective you want to use to he's just playing downhill playing aggressively and playing being decisive and making plays physical tools are there he just has to learn to do it and so far i mean he hasn't done it really at all so that's the will linebacker that's what we are that is one of our question marks uh going into this year i'm gonna write down the time here sorry about that okay our next question and this one I don't think should come as a big surprise to anybody uh, about this position group. And it's not because we don't love the talent that is – Some of it. Some, okay. You, you, more so, you more so than me. <laughs> that, and that's fair. That's fair. Uh, it's not because I don't love the talent uh, that is at this position. Uh, but there's still question marks because there's so little returning production, so little returning starts – um, and that's that. That's the cornerback position. Uh, cornerback, now, uh, yeah. Corner, Make sure yes. people understand corner. us because I think a lot of people are expecting for us to talk about quarterbacks. <laughs> hey, they want to hear us but talk if about you quarterbacks. Didn't to Monday show, then where you yeah. know we're not talking. I was going to kind of joke in this show and say, "What one of our questions is who's going to start at quarterback?" You know, kind of be funny with it, but no, decided not to. Do <laughs> yeah, exactly. I corner is is a position where, of course, you've got Clarence Lewis who has some returning starts. You've got Tariq Bracey that has returning starts, but Tariq Bracey got benched last year. And, and we're hearing wonderful things about Tariq Bracey. We are, mm-hmm. but he still has to prove it on the field that right. he's, that he's back. Right. right. That he's, that and he's and back honestly, Vince, can I, can I, can I just, yeah. you mind if I cut you off there real quick? Cause I want to, I want to add a little something to that. Yeah. I would not only say that not only does he have to prove that he, he can do it, but I, if he comes out the first, two games and three games and he's lighting the world on fire, I'm still going to be nervous yeah. because I want to see how he responds the first time he gets burned and it's going to happen, right? Every great corner. I mean, Julian love go look at the first game against Michigan. Remember who got beat on that big, long touchdown pass to Nico Collins. It wasn't Troy pride. It wasn't Tariq Bracey. It was Julian love. Well, he went on to be a consensus all American, right? It's, right. You're going to get beat sometimes. How does he respond to that? That's the only time we're going to really know if Tariq is ready to be a force for this team the whole so we need year. to see him get beat and then how we he see him get beat to and then how yeah. he 100%. And, and yeah. it doesn't have to get beat for a 80 yard touchdown. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. You know, get beat on a back shoulder throw. Get the guy beat you on a post route and just outplays you like we saw in the past. It's got you know something like that. That sure. that's getting beat. Miss a tackle in space. Guy runs for 25 yards, right? Those are those are mistakes that every cornerback makes from time mm-hmm. to time. You want to limit those mistakes obviously. But how are you going to be in regards to how do you bounce back from that? That's going to be the true test for treat racing. Now, if he goes 12 games and doesn't get beat. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sign me up, <laughs> but that's every not realistic. Corner, every corner gets, that's beat. not realistic. I mean, let, let's be honest. Every corner gets beat with, whether it, I'm, I'm Revis Island, you know, all, right. all these different, they get beat. I mean, it happens. Right. They're human. I mean, it's, a guy makes a great play, whatever. It, it, it's going to happen. So everybody just prepare yourself for right. that to happen. I, I'm with Brian. In the first he time he gets games. beat or makes a mistake, don't be like, oh, he sucks. Get him off the field. That Don't right. be like that. See it's how he happen. responds to that. And a perfect example is your guy, Cam Hart. 
and and I'm giving you that credit because I know you're all about it. You know I love Kmart too, but you're you're all you're all aboard that that train, and I'm 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 with you. I'm I'm like sprinting behind trying to catch up. Like let me on, you know. Uh, but what happened on the first play of the game in the blue goal game? Beat. Cam got beat. Yeah. What did he do the rest of the blue goal game? Didn't Played pissed beat. off and just dominated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. You know what I mean? Like you ain't doing that again. Right. And, and you know, he was in position. He just didn't finish off the play. But then you look at the rest of the game. The kid played really, really well. That showed me something. I was actually happier that he got beat on that first play than I, than I would have been if they wouldn't have really tested him. Because, like, okay, we got to see how he had bounces back in front of a crowd. It wasn't a huge crowd, but there were people there. So it was on crowd. TV. Yeah. It, was a, it was a game. And you say, yeah. how is he going to respond? Sure. And he responded. And he responded very, very well. And he responded with some uh, anger. I don't want a guy playing frustrated. I don't mind a guy playing angry as long as right. that it's a controlled rage. Yes. I, that's a word I like to use in football, controlled rage. I think the best players play. I think Manti played with a controlled rage. I think Jalen Smith played with a controlled rage. I think all the best defensive players and some offensive players, Quentin Nelson, would you say that's a pretty good way to describe how Quentin Nelson plays, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's got um, a controlled rage right now that he's not on the practice Oh, field. I know. No, that's <laughs> probably not controlled. Yeah. No one Q. Not <laughs> yeah, playing. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I mean, to me, that's where that, that's what you want to see. You want to see that 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 edge. We saw yeah. that from Cam. We've got to see that from Tariq. And that's what me about Cam. Just saying. Yeah. Now yeah. we well, we can kind of transition to that, but but we do need to see Tariq get beat yeah. and how does he respond? Right. right. Well, because I've I've said this. We've had sources tell us that is the most that guy has more NFL talent than anybody we have right now mm -hmm. from speed, athleticism, as far NFL cover talent. Now there's some other guys that do other things better. Tariq's never going to be a, you know, the the run stopper that Julian Love was, or that you know Dante Vaughn could have been, or you know, what I mean, if he was, I mean, you, you know what I mean? Like Nick McLeod was a pretty decent run defender against everyone not named Alabama. So you know th those kind of things. That's never going to be Tariq. He's a cover guy. Yeah, and that's what the, when they talk about his NFL talent, that's it's that it's ability to just cover people. We got to see him. We got to see him do it on a consistent basis, and that's well, what. Yeah, and, and and having him be who we think he can be just makes this group that much stronger. Mm -hmm. Because now, now you've got three frontline guys, and you can allow some of those younger guys to come along, right? I mean, look, they they make you know a Philip Riley, uh, a Ramon Henderson, whoever you want to say is that next level guy, right? In the in the depth chart. It allows those guys to come along. I, I'm not. I don't know how enthusiastic I would be if if one of those guys has to start necessarily. Uh, you know, early on. Now they may prove me wrong, and that's fine. But I still like the veterans to step up. I, I like the guys that are that are that we are expecting to step up to step up because it allows those guys to develop. Um, I think you have a different opinion on that than I do. Well, as far I, as my, it's just it's from the standpoint of I only want young guys to start if they're the best guy. I mean, if a young sure. guy comes out and just beats you out, then play the young guy. Sure. I, I think where, where you and I would agree is if – and I feel like this is where you're coming from. It's more of a – I don't want to play the young guy because the older guy's not playing well and it's Bingo. time to go. That's, that's different than, hey – you know, Clarence Lewis played really well this spring, or Tariq played really well in fall camp. But man, Ramon Henderson or Ryan Barnes or Philip Riley or Chance Tucker or whoever, just man, he was just too good for us not to play. That's happened right. before. You get beat out, you get right. beat out. That's yeah, I'm fine before. with that. Right. I'm it's fine more of that. a why are you playing this guy? Because so and so, you know, because like you don't want to play Clarence Lewis last year because Tariq Bracey had a bit of a meltdown. That's not sure. when. That's not why you want to put Clarence Lewis right. in the starting lineup. 
you want to put him in the starting lineup because he just he played better than the other guys. Exactly. And he did, but he did because Tariq had the the you know the mental. He would, I mean, if, if Tariq Bracey didn't have that the mental issue that, that he had, and and he had some physical. I mean, he, had, he got sick and you know he had he had COVID sure. and all this. You know, he missed a couple games. I mean, there was a lot of things that went on last year with Tariq, and that's why I'm a little bit less hard on him, is because last year was such right. a weird year yeah. for so many kids, and especially a kid like him who missed. He missed two different games with an illness, and it was different illnesses both times. Right. You know, well, he's already a small kid who's battling back from illnesses. You don't just – like, you don't get the flu one weekend and then come back on Tuesday and you're 100% and you're ready to go. I mean, it takes right. some getting your – building your body back up, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, at least that's how it's been. I've maybe gotten the flu a couple times in my whole life, but, like, I, I used to get bronchitis every summer or every winter. And, man, it would just wear me out. And after sure. I finally kicked it for a couple of days, I was still dragging. Well – this is a kid who has who's dependent on being in peak physical condition to be successful. So you know, there's a lot of things that went into it. That's why I'm just not as hard on Tariq as I might otherwise have been if it was Nick McLeod that played that poorly or or had struggles or you know some other guys. So he's going to be a, a, an important part of this, no question about it. And you know, you look at the cornerback position and a guy that you're super high on, Vince Cam Hart. He still has a lot to prove. Oh, absolutely. He did well in the blue goal, and he still has a lot to prove. Clarence Lewis has a lot to prove. Yeah. And we need to see him take that next step. Like, he he did great for the role that he was thrust into. Right. And and it was always, man, he's playing really good for a freshman. You know, or a freshman being there thrust was always into that, the, that was caveat. forced into the lineup. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so we need to see him take that next step for sure. He just needs to be, he's really good, period. Not, right. not yeah. asterisk or whatever. It, he exactly. just needs to be really good. He's going to have to play a lot better than he did last year. Because, like, again, you, you grade guys on different levels, right? You grade a true freshman who was thrust into the lineup with no spring ball, with no summer, really not much of a summer, all these different situations. He got thrust into a situation, and he handled himself really well. I mean, I, I couldn't be happier with the way Clarence played last year. Mm -hmm. So, But now you're a sophomore. The expectation isn't, okay, good for your age. It's you got to play. Man. you got to be a baller. you got to come out every game and and and, and – Play at a high level, tackle at a high level, cover at a high level, be consistent. Because there's no, well, he's just a sophomore excuses anymore. You got to play. Right. And if Tariq Bracey plays to his potential, Cam's gonna or Clarence is gonna have to really be good because if he wants to be, still be a starter. And so I think that's where you get that healthy competition. And look, I don't think Clarence. I, I, my understanding is Clarence and, and and Tariq and all the corners. No one's going into fall camp like, hey man, you got this one. It's hey, you may be there now, but Ramon's going to get his shot. Right. Ryan Barnes is going to get his shot. Chance Tucker's going to get his shot. JoJo's going to get his shot. Right. Caleb Offord's going to get his shot. Right. There's nobody in the secondary other than Kyle Hamilton that's got a starting job locked out. Right. Agreed. And that's they got to play like that. I actually think that's going to be good for these guys because they're going to be battling from day one. Yes. There's no, hey, we need time to do No, I'm out there day one, first day of practice in, in, in just a helmet, and I'm like, okay, I got to be locked in because I'm trying to win this job. And if you're not there, you, you're going to find yourself watching. You're going to yeah. find yourself getting as much playing time as I'm going to get on Saturdays this year. And, and I like the depth. I mean, and that's and that, and to, to kind of echo that point, I, I like the depth at, at corner. It's not like, for example, um, I, I don't want to throw a, a position group under the bus, but it's not like, okay, you've got the guys who we think are going to start – and then the guys behind him is like, man, if they're playing, we are in trouble. It, I, I like the competition that is probably going to take place within this depth chart because there's talent there and there's young guys that, like you said, they're going to take it if it's if it's 
if the option is there, mm-hmm. they are hungry. They are hungry and they're talented. And so you, you have to play locked in every day if you are number one on the depth chart. I won't even yeah. say a starter right now. At the top of the depth chart going into fall camp, you've got to play locked yeah. in. If, you if, you're, if you're in the two deep. If you're in yeah. the two deep, you better be ready yeah. to go. And and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Ryan Barnes can do this fall. He sure you know, he got a late start in the spring, missed the first five practices with COVID, really came on towards the end, played great in the blue gold games, having a great summer. I want to see what kind of jump he can make. I want to see if Philip yeah. Riley can make a jump or not. You know, there's a lot of guys at that position that I want to see battle and made the best man win. And and you know, we kind of tie this into the next one, which is safety. Obviously, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on that because we talked about it a little bit on Monday after Kyle Hamilton. Other guys got to step up. Yeah. Teams are gonna say, hey, look, and 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 Coach Freeman talked about this in the one-on-one I did with him. Is look, teams are gonna say, Okay, there's 14. Who's over there? Is it three? Is it 12? I don't really care. It's not 14. We're going to go with that guy. Exactly. Right? It's not number six from last year, and it's not number 14, so we're going to go with that guy. Mm -hmm. They're going to get tested a lot, and they have to play well. They have Mm -hmm. to play well against tight ends. They have to play well in zone. They have to play well against slot receivers. They have to tackle well in space. They have to play well, too. The concern there is there's not as much of that young talent pushing. However, if some of those young players step up, in at cornerback, you let, let's just say hypothetically that the safeties other than Kyle Hamilton and aren't playing well in fall camp. Cam's playing great. Tariq Bracey's playing great. Ryan Barnes is balling out. He's just too good not to play. Ramon Henderson makes a big jump. All of a sudden, you look at number 26 and you're like, hmm. Okay. Clarence has got pretty good size for a corner. Good hitter. Experienced, smart. Hey Clarence, let's why don't you why don't we give you a couple snaps today at safety? You know, you know what I mean? And then who who knows? Yeah. Right? I mean, so that's how the cornerback position, if it if it's as good as we hope it is now. Because I, right. I think Vince, you and I are you and I are going to be singing a different tune about cornerback, we think, going into 2022. They, they will not be in this conversation going into 2022. The question is, is how quickly can they show that talent? Right. The faster they do it, that then that could impact the safety position. Which would be if those guys don't step up, then you could see maybe a Clarence Lewis move over there and say, okay, Clarence is going to get his shot to battle there. Right. And it's not that Clarence isn't playing well at corner. It's it's a lot like your offensive line. It's a lot like your receivers. If Clarence Lewis is one of the five best defensive backs, but he's your fourth, third, or fourth best corner, guess what? He's a kid that you can find a plate. Clarence Lewis is good enough and versatile enough as a player. He's not a field corner or nothing, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Right. He can play slot. I think he can play safety. So that's the other thing, too, Vince. But you cannot move Clarence Lewis. You're not moving Clarence Lewis to safety because he's struggling. If he's struggling, he just he's just going to not play. He's on the bench. Yeah. Right. right. It, but if exactly. he's playing well and Tariq's playing well and Ryan Barnes is just too good not to play and, and Chance Tucker or or Caleb Offord yeah. or Ramon Henderson or whoever. You got three or four guys that are just balling, and your safeties are getting their butts whooped every day. Hmm. Let me think about this one for a second. Yeah. Well, that that's that's, that's where when we consider. talk about when we talk about these commitments and things of that nature, when we're, when we're breaking down recruits, that positional flexibility that this team covets, and this is why. This is why because, like right. you said, it's like the offensive line. You want your five best on the field. I want the same thing in the back. And when, and I forget which commitment it was. One of the cornerbacks that got committed. We were talking about it. And it was, man, if we've got four great corners, 
you can play four great corners right. in the secondary or five right. great corners. The way that you the know, game is now. The way yes. the game is now. The you way don't have to yeah. be Steve Atwater or Sean Taylor right. to play safety anymore. Right. In today's football. In you, fact, those guys may not play. Right? Yeah, you can get ejected out of every game. You be, but they'd be closer to the line of scrimmage. This, this, right. In no, this look, Sean Taylor in today's game would be a rover. Or exactly. a linebacker, exactly. Because yeah, if you had I him in safety, closer. he'd get ejected. I know what you mean. I'm just, yeah. I, I'm, I'm adding on to what you're saying. <laughs> I'm not like, no, what, what? No, I'm, I'm adding on to what you're saying. Because <laughs> right. as a safety, he'd get ejected from every flipping yes. game because it's yes, targeting. It I, I think I've shared the story before, but there was a couple of years ago on his birth, on his birthday, because like every year on his birthday, like people put out all these highlights. Remember how great Sean Taylor was, and he was. And I'm watching his clips of Miami, and I'm like targeting, targeting. <laughs> Targeting, targeting. I mean, like every hit was like, yep, he's ejected. He's gone. Yeah, right. You know, I don't necessarily love that about the game. We kind of talked about the targeting rule in the last podcast. But, you know, you put him closer to the line of scrimmage and that's not happening as much. Right. Because those collisions tend to happen a lot more in the in space. You know, in space. Right. But uh, but but point is, you don't need to be that kind of guy to play safety anymore. I mean, if you can't cover, you can't play safety anymore. I yes. mean, you don't have to be an elite cover guy. You don't have to be able to line up against Braden Lindsay and run with him as a safety. That's not what we're saying. But you need to be able to cover tight ends. You need to be able to cover back slot receivers at times. You need to be able to be rangy off the top. You know, so what you're not going to do is there's this perception. Well, if he can't stick a corner, you move him to safety. Sure, you can do that. But you're still going to stink because if a guy's not, if a guy can't cover a corner, he's not going to be a great cover corner at safety. You know, you're looking for guys who can thrive in coverage. And so that's where I say, depending on how things shake out, we could maybe see something like that. Um, I hope that we don't see that, though. I hope yeah. that I hope that the safety step up and perform well. But, the, you know, the, they're, you're, you're, look, you're, you're what, today's August 4th in a day where we're literally tomorrow. By tomorrow, we'll be a month away from the opening of the season. You don't have a lot of time. You can't take three weeks to figure it out if 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 after 10 practices you're like look we're just not getting what we need from that other safety position we got to figure we got to add some competition to that yeah. who's that going to be yeah and and so hopefully we don't have to get to that point right that that's the thing is hopefully we get there now the last two things vince we're going to kind of talk about you know those are the first four this the fifth one it's we're kind of cheating we're going to kind of talk about everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.